0: Hello, and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had an amazing, crazy private practice, which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in. And I hope you absolutely enjoy Welcome Cheryl Yi our uh, podcast guest today. Hello. Hi Cathy. How are you? I am well, but let it be said just before we hit record we were both talking about our scratchy Melbourne possibly kind of hay fevery voices so we may both be reaching for sips of water. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited that you've lobbed on in and you're willing and able to share a bit about your business adventure. Um, You're the founding director of SpeechEase, a speech pathology business in Melbourne. You've got a couple of sites in Melbourne and you have been on the business adventure since 2014. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's
0: correct. Yes. What, um, What happened in 2014? Why why self employment? Why then?
1: Yeah, so um, this was just after my second child was born. Um, I was still working before that, still working in the public sector. Um, and I found that work very meaningful, very interesting. Never had any intention to leave. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, as you do when you have children and after you have, you know, several, whatever, a second child, um, you have more time to kind of think about life and um And I guess I just, there were a few things in public work that I found really meaningful and interesting, um, but there were, I just found that I wasn't doing enough direct client work on reflection. Mm -hmm. And I actually really enjoyed that. Um, I was getting pulled before I had my second into a lot of meetings that I just found were, yeah, not really compatible (laughs) with how I thought you know we should be doing things and so about seven months after um my second was born I took that leap of faith and started my journey as a soul practitioner Mm. I
0: hear a lot about business babies often (laughs) uh often they happen on maternity leave or long service leave or whatever and there's just this okay I'm done I'm really want that freedom and flexibility and all of those things. So take us back to 2014. What were those
1: first, what was that first year or two like? Oh gosh. Um, Those first year or two, it was hard. Um, I guess, you know, it's, it's always hard. Um, But, you know, I had never really done any real business sort of thing like that and so I do remember I was like okay having to visit different places or figuring out first of all where I'm going to set up shop and then visiting different places to have a look at you know the rooms and then trying to understand how room rentals work and it was just like a whole different World. And it was quite ironic in the sense that I wanted more direct client therapy work. But I felt, and I did do quite a lot of direct thera- <laughs> client therapy work. But I found like half of my time was obviously around, okay, how do mm-hmm. you know, room rentals, like legal agreements, um, how do I set fees, um, and also feeling a bit isolated, like who are my colleagues? Mm. You know, um, because I've come from working, you know, with the team, even though we didn't really see each other, one another, too much, but at least I knew that they were there and we were on the same page. Um, Yeah. So I guess isolated, um, very, very interesting. I found it really interesting, but yeah, quite isolated and definitely um, a lot more busy than I thought I would be (laughs) and challenging. Yes. Yeah. So you
0: went straight into rooms right from the get-go by the sounds of things
1: yeah well I I went into renting a room um yeah yeah, I was I was doing half and half I would say like I was um already kind of working out of my home office so I did have Mm -hmm. a home office um in the inner city and then realizing that the inner city um clientele I suppose that there's not a lot of young families at least not back in 2014 it it grew exponentially since it's grown since but um but I knew that my market was always kind of out west as well and I think one of the reasons that I hadn't shared before um Kathy is that I worked in the public sector in the west and I knew that at that time and even now there's just this huge demand of you Mm -hmm. know health services especially speech therapy services out there. Um and so I had this vision in my head um of wanting to be the best provider just like, you know, a, a really just giving real quality services to um yeah, the population out west. So and do you still
0: hold that vision? Is that still one of your drivers?
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um So that is one of our mission statements is, you know, to um, provide the best experiences to our clients um, in the Western suburbs and in the inner city in Melbourne. So, yeah.
0: So there you were starting out, two kids in the car, checking out room Mm -hmm. rentals and wrangling small people and clients and time slots and all sorts of bits and pieces. Did you ever regret your decision? and just or at least question it
1: oh yeah definitely I don't regret but definitely you know, question. yeah um I guess um you know there's always the up ups and downs in every sort of whatever job or career um or decision but yeah it's been you know, quite challenging, um, but I would say quite honestly and from the bottom of my heart, it's been such an interesting journey um, so far, and I'm still learning so much along the way, that I will say very confidently, I don't have any regrets starting because of, like, the people that I've met and the connections mm-hmm. that I've made, um, the clients that I've been able to help, Um And just the impact that, you know, we've been able to make as a team. Um, But I think the the learning, just like the journey, the learnings have been so great that I wouldn't, yeah, I don't regret it at all. I wouldn't have given it up for anything. Mm. Yeah.
0: So with this newfound business knowledge, would you have done anything differently in that startup in that first couple of years?
1: Yes, a lot
0: different. <laughs> Share some of them. What would you have done differently?
1: Yeah. Um, I think um my personality um is a little bit of a kind of trial and error type of person. Um I think I would have maybe done a little bit more um learning and reading up off you know, sort of what it means to run a business, not just a sole practitioner, because I feel like that's a slightly different sort of area. Um, But if I was to start employing and hiring and, you know, kind of knowing all the different steps, I would probably have done a little bit more forward planning. Um, I think forward planning is really important. And I think even as a sole practitioner, kind of planning ahead is really important. Um, and I think that also stems from maybe, you know, I've been around not that long, but it's been about 14 years as a speech pathologist. Um, and I don't think there was a lot of at that time nobody really spoke of career progression, even though in my head I was always going, well, what's next? Like, you know, for our careers, like we're just just gonna be doing the same things over and over for the rest of my life, which was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we never really thought too far ahead yeah um so I think that's two yeah the two big things would be I would definitely be doing more research and more reading into what it means to run a business um and the other one is thinking ahead a little bit more yeah
0: yeah so you were sole practitioner in those early days and room rental what were the next big milestones in your business
1: yep so Um, Right around 20, end of 2015, 2016, um, I started to hire. Um, So, um, yeah, looking at a contractor model. So I was was kind of, you know, getting contractors on board. So that was the next, I guess, big milestone. Um, And then 2019 was when I started actually hiring, like employing somebody that was around 2019 or actually maybe 2018 um i had my first employee um and then 2021 was when that was last year it was when i moved into a business structure
0: what do you mean by business structure
1: um yep so so i moved from being a sole practitioner into um, a company a private oh, limited company yep sorry right, Co- company. right. Yeah.
0: why um why did you go contractors first up?
1: I think because that's what I knew.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so while sort of moving back, um while I was doing public work, I actually also did one day private um work on the side and um I was always employed as a contractor. Um it was it worked well really well for me and it worked really well for the business um that I was contracted to and I guess that was just a kind of like I just went with what I knew. Yeah, was familiar and non. Yep. Yeah. And also I didn't, and this is where, you know, the forward planning wasn't really there. I didn't really know where I was really going. And so I just thought, you know what, I'll just do, yeah, do this arrangement because I didn't want to be necessarily like locked in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, the the whole topic of contractors is totally back on the agenda right now. I uh, have had more conversations about contractors in the last uh, six months. No, 10 months than ever before. I think it's really interesting. There's lots Mm. of there's lots of ways to, you know, kind of team up. Um, So Mm. nowadays, if I walked in the door of your office, have you got employees or contractors or a bit of both?
1: Only employees. Yeah only employees, um, and all of them are permanent, ongoing employees. Um, I do have a few who are part-timers. Um, yeah. yeah, but just employees. I think that for me and then my business and where I want to take my business um, at the moment, this is where I found um, it, it, works, it works well for me yeah. and for the business.
0: Yeah. So tell us a bit about your team.
1: Yeah, so my team, um, we are a speech pathology only or speech therapy only clinic, um, and we have diversified since kind of last year. We now offer speech therapy assistants as well. Mm -hmm. So we have at the moment only one speech therapy assistant um, and we're looking to put another. um, And we have junior, so new graduate clinicians. We have senior clinicians. It's a pretty good mix um, of both. Mm -hmm. And we have um, two team leaders, um, one full-timer and the other is kind of uh, returning to work back from Mm -hmm. maternity leave. Um, and within our senior clinical team, we also have um, a clinical educator. So she, we have um, kind of liaised with one of the universities, local universities to take on students. So yeah, she does the supervision or the coordination of, of um, those student placements. Um, yeah. How many, so that's our How many in team. your team? So at the moment, we have um, 10 clinicians and we have, I think, about four to five support staff um, and our support staff um, is tremendously wonderful as well. Um, and so they've, we've got client experience team members and we've got a practice manager um, and somebody within our support staff also helps us with our social media. Mm. Yeah. Mm pretty, pretty big and diversified kind of, you know. Yeah.
0: Thing. Yeah. How would you sort of describe your team culture right now? And the reason that I want to ask this is that you've been in Melbourne and it's been a pretty rough couple of years uh, with the the pandemic and all. So how, how would you describe your team culture at the moment? Yep.
1: So I would say it's, honestly really incredible um and I'm so proud of where we are today as a team um I actually never yeah I didn't really know what a good team culture kind of would be like um but I feel like yeah it's it's really really good and in a sense that and I'll give you some reasons why I think that um you know, when someone's having a bad day, or has had, you know, maybe felt a little bit disappointed after their sessions, for example, there's always somebody else within the team who, you know, proactively check in or go, hey, you know, do you want to grab a coffee, Um, even during work or outside work hours? Um, Just today, this evening, um, I think half of the team are on their own kind of initiative, not driven by me at all. Um, They're going to some local pub to do like Mm -hmm. trivia night. Um, And I know that they, you know, a lot of them are friends at work and also outside work. And some of those friendships were formed at work. Um, And we recently had a um an event at our local like pop-up park. Um, And Again, it wasn't quite driven by me. It was somebody's idea, somebody else on the team. It was her idea to do this event and the entire team was just like, yep, let's do it, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was on a Saturday morning, so it wasn't during work hours, and they just were, like, so excited to do this together. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do you think this – why do you think team culture is so important? I think it's so important because – look, we spend so much time at work. <laughs> That's the yeah. n- number one thing. Um, I think we spend so much time at work and I say this to my team a lot. We better really love where we work and who we work mm. with. Um, I also think that, and this sounds so cliche, but like, you know, really, we really do better stuff together. I was just reflecting on as I was preparing you know, to talk to you today as well. We're just reflecting, okay, like I started as a soul practitioner. How many clients could I see in a given week? You know, maybe it's like 15 because I was only working three days. But now, you know, we see like, you know, a lot of clients. Mm. Um, And if everyone is happy to come to work and happy to support one another through ups and downs and celebrate one another's wins, you know, a lot of innovative and a lot of great ideas come from that and we can then better support our clients as well. Um, so, I really think team culture is so super important.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely, uh, completely agree and it's it's not something that happens overnight as a as a rule. Good luck yeah. has a role but good leadership also has a role. How have you kind of lifted your leadership skills from a small team to two to three to four to five to, you know, your your team now? What does is, what is your leadership uh, piece look like?
1: Running a business isn't just about setting up shop and becoming complacent. It's about showing up for ourselves and our clients with a commitment to continuous improvement. We have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at and where we're going. That means identifying strengths and weaknesses so we can improve. After all, if we're remaining stagnant, how can we scale and build the business and life of our dreams? That's where the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz comes in. We're not talking horoscopes and pulse This questionnaire is the perfect starting point for you to begin identifying your strengths, needs and blind spots as an allied health business owner. The process is simple. Answer the 14 questions and we'll send you a personalised report that includes actionable steps for you to start taking your business to the next level. Ready to take your business into your own hands? Take the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz today. So, um, it's interesting because when we first, when I first kind of started hiring and um, started thinking a little bit more deeply into what I got myself into. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. yes, that um, was a good idea at the time. Yeah, um, I remember asking the question um to myself and to my business coach at that time. I was like, what is what does leadership actually like? What does a good leader actually really look like in, you know, in the context of this? Like I know, you know, sort of good leaders, world leaders or whatever, but that feels too far away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and um I think I still don't really have like a clear crystallized kind of answer, but I know that I have really in 2020 went on this kind of just bleach of kind of really looking into what leadership really means for me and for my team. And so I've, you know, sort of read um, books such as, you know, um, like from Simon Sinek, for example, like Leadership Last, i read, you know, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, and, you know, a lot of looking at also a bunch of other sort of, like Harvard Business Reviews, like looking at, you know, articles there about leadership um, mm. and radical candor. So a few things that I've been sort of reading and sort top shelf, of Top mulling. shelf titles there. Yeah. That's right. Just like mulling over, but it's not just about the theory because like applying it in real life is incredibly difficult as well. So I'm, um, while people think that, you know, leadership comes naturally, it actually didn't come naturally for me because I was never really somebody who wants to just like, I don't like being in the limelight too much. I like kind of, you know, doing interesting things. um, But I'm not like the first to go, all right, here's what we're going to be doing Mm -hmm. today. Like in my friendship groups or in, you know, any other groups that I've been in. So um, having to step out, step up and step out took a lot of work, like personal work. Yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I I think there are stereotypes of what leadership or what good leadership is. And um, I think good leadership ultimately, the end of the day, is leadership based on your authentic self. And quiet leaders are differently impactful to noisy leaders. You know, um, experienced leaders are differently impactful to Beginner leaders, and there's lots of ways to lead, um, and it's not always the cliche kind of stuff you see on the media or, or anywhere, or you even read about. So, uh, very much an, an onwards and upwards adventure for most of the business owners that um, I know. For some, they just naturally got it, and they seem to make it look easy. But you don't always know what effort is going on behind the scenes either. Hey,
1: yeah, definitely, and I think you know, um, different scenarios and maybe different size teams also call for different types of, you know, people or people with different leaders mm-hmm. with different kinds of skills as well. Um, yeah.
0: And your business needs different leadership at different times as well because businesses go through developmental phases for one of a better expression and your business needs you to be a slightly different version of yourself every so often. So yeah onwards onwards it's a forever a forever um, challenge, so that's kind of the leadership piece, the business management your you, you know your business has grown significantly in the last five years as well. Um, how have you kind of tracked along with your business knowledge, your management skills?
1: yeah um, so definitely a lot to learn um, and a lot that a lot that I feel like I'm still definitely not great at, like I still have to really make very intentional um, efforts to kind of um, look into and learn more. but um I've had to seek out you know like business coaching, for mm-hmm. example, reading books, making sure that I'm you know always kind of reading up on leadership matters um, and seeking out like peer support as well. I think that's really, really important mm-hmm. um, as business owners. So I do have a few other business owners, um, LA Health business owners that I'm friends with. And, you know, we do catch up for coffees or, you know, the Zoom chats and things like that. Um, the good thing about where we are now is, you know, is that there are, there's a lot more support for I think for LA Health mm. business owners. Yeah, there um, is than before. So that's that that's really good. Um, and I think a lot more people are willing to share information as well. So for example, um Kathy, like I really um appreciate you know sort of your um your wisdom <laughs> that you share on LinkedIn, for example, the questions that you post um to get just like getting me thinking about things for example um and like I mentioned I attended some one of your recruitment webinars too that was really helpful um yeah so that's kind of how I keep I guess at rest with you know the, mm. the um sort of the management side of things and just keep learning in that that space um there's obviously a lot of management books out there and a lot of business information out there but Specific to allet Health, it's it's growing, but it's still obviously quite niche.
0: Yeah, look, there's some good management principles available in, you know, um, online commentary all over the place. And, uh, you, you know, you'll still be running a filter over it and applying it to what you need right now. Um, is this something you want to do? Is this learning for you right now? Or is it something you might kind of park? So, yeah. Um, yeah reading is good but at the end of the day you know you've got to apply it you've got to decide what you're going to apply and then you've got to do it otherwise it kind of sits there feeling all very academic and I I think that sometimes where our light health business owners get a bit stuck they might read a great book by Jim Collins or someone and then they sort of think oh my god that's so amazing and then the next thing is I have no clue how to implement (laughs) that (laughs) and that's where the coaching and the conversations with colleagues and that sort of picking one thing at a time to try can be really helpful because otherwise you can kind of sit there in overwhelm and that's, that's not fun. That's not fun.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think to what you said earlier with actually executing it. So for me, for example, after reading Radical Candor, it's like, okay, I have these steps or I have these, you know, this knowledge of how to do it, like how to have difficult conversations. But gosh, you know, I I still find that still challenging (laughs) now, and have to have conversations. But the first few that I had to, I had to do, or I did, um, was so hard, and I tried so hard to not do them (laughs) (laughs) Uh Um, until they were absolutely essential. (laughs) That's right. I gave myself so many excuses. yeah and and so, yeah that's an example I suppose of having that head knowledge and knowing what to do um but not actually doing it,
0: yeah yeah, so given that we're chatting towards the end of twenty twenty two um where do you think or where do you want your business to go in the next kind of twelve months? You don't have to you know, give away all the secrets, but we spoke about forward planning and it's that time of the year when we're starting to hustle the the next. What yeah. uh, what do you want to get done?
1: Yeah, so what I really want to get done, or really where where we really kind of headed is creating more pathways for people. Um, so creating opportunities for kind of more interesting things um, that we can do. So, um, for our clients, obviously, um, so not everybody wants to be a team leader and there's not, you know, like multiple team leader positions in, you know, uh, a small organization like ours. Um, and so it is really coming up with, yeah, I guess a bit, a bit of a diversified portfolio for our team, um, while we're still growing our, and diversifying our services, I suppose, for our clients as well, yeah, yeah, and if
0: we take a step back and look at the broader allied health uh, kind of business sector, what what do you think might happen there, given the NDIS, given economics, given rec- workforce, given all of the things? where What's your crystal ball saying?
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you that question too. <laughs> um, well, you know, I think NDIS has been, obviously it's been really great um, for so many reasons. Um, it's, but it's really, and it's really driven up the demand. So a lot of us businesses, you know, and a lot of businesses scrambling to hire more people um, and found it difficult to hire. And so have had to really better their systems but I feel like we're quite now everyone's scrambling to do so much for the team and for the staff. I feel like there's, there's a big gap in terms of like innovation for the clients, Mm -hmm. like coming up with different ways of servicing clients um, and to help to meet that need as well. So I feel like, I don't know whether it's like I wish more people would be paying attention to that or if, you know, that's maybe where it's going to be headed Um, next. But, yeah, kind of wonder about that.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Innovation is going to be key. Um, And we're excited by what our members are achieving on that innovation front Um, because when, you know, the price guide is, you know, stays pretty static. Mm-hmm. You've got to think, okay, well, what are we going to do here? Um, and I think it's exciting uh, to really be challenging the way services are delivering, are delivered. I think it's really interesting to bring in the the participant or the consumer's point of view. I think that's really, really fascinating and really embracing innovation um, because if we if if allied health business owners keep doing the same things, they're going to get they're not even going to get the same result. They're going to get less of a result, less of a result, and less of a, a result as everything else takes over and you know other businesses perhaps innovate faster. Um, so how how do you bring the spirit of innovation through your business?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess that's kind of what's on our you know what's next as well so we're um looking at selling resources yeah that's nice. what what you can expect from us in the next you know mm. little while um the other thing that we are also have been really working hard on is um finding ways to help the people on our waiting list for example mm. um and so and then also providing support to our existing clients as in supporting the parents. Um, and so this is also what the parents have mentioned is quite lacking, not necessarily from our service, but, you know, and I think it coming out of 2020 as mm-hmm. well, a lot of people are feeling still very isolated. And because more people are used to digital, like online communities, it might not be the same as face-to-face I just feel like a lot of our families are quite they're they're feeling quite alone Mm. um, in their journeys Um, and so that's one area that we're looking at really supporting is our existing clients um, is our our existing parents um, and seeing how we can we can help them in their journey as well yeah so that's a few ways that we're kind of you know mm. thinking about innovative strategies um to help to support our clients and also still provide value and provide service um and try to meet their needs
0: and i guess for some people listening they might sort of think oh yeah that'll make sense oh that'll make sense uh oh that's another thing for me to do as the director uh oh that one's going to land on my plate um do i get a bigger plate do i get two plates do I delegate? How do I bring innovation through the business? I'm yet to meet a business owner who does not have 20 gazillion ideas of all the things they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So as a as a director, what does your week look like and how do you get your stuff done?
1: Yeah. So you're spot on and that, you know, all of these thoughts and more <laughs> were probably <not> <laughs> had for a really long time. And um. You know, but the day to day, just like putting out fires, <laughs> putting out fires. You know, meetings, and then you know, and then I've got three kids, and that also takes time. And so that's, I think, going back to the team culture, so important to get that right, and and then building systems within the team, and building, I suppose allowing different people to shine in the in specific areas that work well for them, that they want, and then seeing if there's any sort of portfolios, I suppose, that you know they can take on because it works well for them as well. And then once that's all kind of happy, once we kind of reach a little bit of that happy medium, then you know, this at this stage, which is kind of where we're at, that then allows me to start you know different types of projects so my typical week i'm pretty mm-hmm. much off i'm off the tool so i don't you know i don't see any clients unless really necessary um i don't do any consulting i try to keep my work week to three days mm-hmm. my, my my work days to three days a week um so usually mondays and wednesdays are my meeting days so i you know meet my leadership team i see if there's any sort of you know fires to put out any sort of problems that we need to solve together I still do some supervision and I still do mentoring mm. on my team so that's some Mondays and then Wednesdays so today I was in the office um, just you know getting meeting with people um, having lunch with my team that's mm. really important and then Fridays are my implementation day so Fridays I work from home I shut myself from the rest of the world I, in in my little office, home office. And I just work on, you know, these side projects or processes, um, policies, look at finances, sort of more of the business mm. side of things as well. And how well is that working? Sounds cool. Oh, yeah. Sounds cool, hey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, comes and goes. So yeah. um, some weeks really, really well. And some weeks, terrible, um, but I would say that mostly it mostly works. It mostly works, and you can. And I know that because you know projects are getting done. Like projects are mm. starting, and mm. they are moving along. Um, and so, yeah. And I I will say that I'm only able to do this because. I really have a great team. Like, I really have a great team of people mm. and very capable staff members who take care of a lot of the, you know, day to day stuff um, that allows me to kind of work, you know, this way, I suppose.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I think a lot of people listening will be, will really um, kind of remember the bit that you're running the team on 3 days and that your team is running the team and you're running the biz you're running the the leaders and the the leaders are are running the team as such and it's totally doable we see it time after time that if you follow these stepping stones you can yeah manage a sizable business that um supports you rather than the other way around
1: and i think the other thing too cassie is that i am very aware for myself like what it where i am in my life with three mm-hmm. young kids i suppose um you know i guess two of them are in primary school and one is still not in school and so i make sure that that is my priority um mm-hmm. and make sure that i have systems to allow me to give them that priority um and i so so i guess Sticking to my Mm -hmm. boundaries—it took a lot of work. It's still work in progress, and some, like I said, some weeks are really, really good, and some weeks are just—you know—I guess the the demands of the business. Chaotic. That's right, and it's it's quite Mm -hmm. seasonal, and it's always going to happen. Um, So I've accepted that. But where I can, you know, enforcing those boundaries and knowing that my pace is probably slower than other people's pace—you know—if they don't have kids if they only have one kid or not only, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's just, the pace is just very different. And so I'm not gonna, I'm just running my own race and I'm just, you know, trying to make my own life and my business work for, for us, for me.
0: Yeah. Oh, well done. Well done. Uh, Is there anything else you would like listeners to kind of know or even think about?
1: No, I mean, I guess, you know, I think, I think it's really important to invest and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, but I really, really think it's so important for business owners to have a business coach, a mentor, to be part of some kind of like actual peer community, not just, you know, the free Facebook groups. But <gasps> They're a bit actually, dangerous. <laughs> that's right. Correct. <laughs> I, I I, I mean, I get, you know, information from there, but you, it's just... Everyone's business works very differently, and their business mm. is their business, and they're sharing their side of their what works for them. And you know, it's it's just not the same as having a business coach or and and a mentor who knows you knows your business. Um, not that the business coach is going to tell you what to do because your business is your business, but it's just having that sounding board um, and someone who's unbiased. Having that sounding board is just instrumental, I think. Or at least for me, it was instrumental too to my um, you know sort of success. And I can see a lot of business owners with I'm su- often surprised by business owners who have you know kind of practice large, medium sized practices who are kind of you know don't have the supports in place mm. and struggle wow. and it's doing that the hard way. Oh, yeah and then go you know what um oh business you know coaching is expensive or whatever I'm like well it's really so worth it um do it just do it yeah
0: thank you for saying that I totally wasn't expecting you to say that But uh, <laughs> yeah that's been exactly my experience as a business owner um having run a you know several businesses and continue to be the director of several businesses that you know it's it's well worth the investment to get on the blue line of of the marathon and mm-hmm. to avoid as many roadblocks and bumps as possible and to get insights sooner rather than later and you know make us make good mistakes you know uh, around the yep. around the, the track um and i've always had yeah amazing value out of the coaches that you know i've worked with and that my mm-hmm. team have worked with over the over the while, um, you know, it is that cliche of you don't know what you don't know, but it's actually so much more than that. Um, it's, 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 I think also a lot about mindset and defining your role and boundaries as yeah. you've spoken to and, um, bringing in that management skill set, that leadership skill set so that the business can serve you. Um, yeah, you don't have to be a slave, slave to it. It so often happens probably in those, those businesses that you've, uh, you've observed as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and definitely for me, I think my early, early days, I felt like I was, you know, kind of working like a, like the slave to the business and not having the, not doing it the other way around where the business has to kind of work for me. So yeah. Yeah. Business coach.
0: Beautiful. righty. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing up a bit of your adventure. I very much enjoyed discovering more.
1: My pleasure, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Thank you so
0: much for listening to this episode, for the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on Naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues and we are totally here for you don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done looking forward to seeing you there